you'll take your Bibles and let's turn to Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12. We've dealt with a number of verses already here. This whole chapter is a plea for us as believers to live our lives pleasing to the Lord. Verses 1 and 2 we saw had to do with us considering our obligation to present ourselves to God in light of what Christ has done for us. Christ gave himself for us. We ought to give ourselves to him. Christ's sacrifice calls for us to sacrifice ourselves for his sake. Then in verses 3 through 8, the last couple of weeks, we've looked at um, how they had to do with our place in the body of Christ, in the church. And we have been gifted by the Holy Spirit to fulfill our God-given role in Christ's body. And uh, tonight, we want to see, we're going to take a look at verses number 9 and 10. And Paul here addresses how we as believers are to relate to other, uh, to other people, especially to other believers in the local church. And the rest of this chapter is filled with challenges for us as the children of God to live together before the Lord and the world as a God-honoring family. And that's what, you know, people ought to look at us and know that we belong to Christ. It ought to be a testimony that Christ is in us. And so we'll, uh, uh, we'll, we'll begin by looking at verse 9 and 10. Let's read together. In verse number 9 and 10, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Now, the first thing uh, Paul states here is that we are to be sincere in our love. He, he said, let love be without dissimulation. That dissimulation is not a word that we use in our vernacular today. It's, a, it's an old English word that, that we're not real familiar with, but it means that uh, we're to do it without hypocrisy. When it says without dissimulation, it's talking about without hypocrisy. Um, and uh, hypocrisy is a word that we are familiar with. The Greek word that meaning hypocrisy was a word that was used among Greeks for actors and acting. Uh, and uh, a hypocrite was actually a play actor. Uh, one playing a part that is not real to their life. Now we know we have a, we have a TV full of that, don't we? You know, Hollywood is full of, of hypocrites. <laughs> Literally, that's what they are. They're hypocrites. They're, they play parts that uh, are not real. They're, that's not them. Even the so-called reality shows, that ain't their life. That's not, that's not real at all. Don't, don't think that it is for one minute. But uh, our love is to be without hypocrisy is, is the point here. And so it means to, that we're to let our love be sincere. We could use genuine or unfeigned. Uh, those are some good words. Now, this is written, understand that this is in the context of what we previously looked at here. Paul had written about there being different spiritual gifts that are to be manifested and exercised in the body of Christ by members of the body. And uh, so something that we need to understand is that all of the gifts, those gifts that we have, are to be exercised in love. And that love is to be sincere, genuine, unfeigned, without hypocrisy. So Paul wrote 
we know the Galatian church saying that love is part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know, in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit, first thing on the list, as uh, 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 love. And so we know that it is part of the fruit of the, of the Holy Spirit. Our love must be genuine, and only the Holy Spirit can produce that love in us as we walk in the Holy Spirit. Amen? When we walk being controlled by the Spirit, the Spirit's going to manifest that love through our lives. Now, all gifts, we know, must be exercised in love or they become meaningless. Flip with me, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. You, know, you recognize right off that's uh, what's known as the love chapter. And you know where it's located at? Uh, it's located right between two chapters that talk about uh, the matter of spiritual gifts. Uh, Paul talks in detail about spiritual gifts in, in both uh, chapter 12 and chapter 14. But he talks about uh, love there in chapter number 13. Notice uh, verse number 1 here. 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men, tongues was a, a, a gift that was uh, in the early church, no longer around anymore, uh, but uh, he, the, uh, the Corinthian church was enamored with the gift of tongues. Uh, they just really had a thing for that gift. And he was wanting them to see that um, even though they, they thought they were manifesting that, they weren't being very loving about it. Look at verse, verse 1. Do I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity? I have become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. That word charity there is that agape love. Sometimes it's translated love. It's the love that, that Christ had for us when he went to Calvary. And it's a, it's a, a love that looks out for the highest good of the other person, not for self. And uh, he says there in verse 3, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. And he goes through it and defines charity there in the rest of the chapter. I won't spend time there, but what I want you to get here is that all gifts must be exercised in love or else they become meaningless and uh, we need to understand that. So we are to love the brethren with an honest love that shows no pretense. In other words, it's to be a genuine love like that which our Savior had for us, a love that is manifested by what we do. Okay, This is not telling somebody you love them. This is showing somebody you love them. By your actions. Look, look at John chapter number 13. John's gospel chapter number 13. We see the Lord Jesus Christ telling his disciples before uh, he went to the cross. Uh, this matter of uh, they were to have love one for another. And he mentions there in John 13. Look at verse number uh, 34. John 13 and verse 34. He says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, notice this, as I have loved you. That's a tall order in that. That ye also love one another. But he says in verse 35, by this, by what? Our love one toward another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. So, uh, 
love that is manifested by what we do, that's what the Lord is looking for in our lives. Now, 1 Peter 1.22 says, Seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. That's the kind of love that we're to have. Look at 1 John chapter number 3. 1 John chapter number 3. 1 John 3, a couple of verses here. Verse number, let's, let's look at verse number 16 first. It says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word. In other words, it's not about telling folks that you love them. Neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. It's by what we do. So, so we, are to, uh, we are to be sincere in our love. Let your love be without dissimulation, uh, is how he put it. Now, uh, back in our text there, let's look at the second thing. We are to be holy in our attitude and walk before the Lord and others. Notice what he says here. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. That is a holy walk. Uh, holy in our attitude and walk before the Lord and others. In fact, it is spoken of in context of our love for God and our love for others. To, that we are to abhor that which is evil. Is my abhorring evil, is that good for you? It is, isn't it? Uh, is my cleaving to good, is that good for you as well as good for me? It most certainly is. You know, when, when you see folks living right, doing right, and uh, things going well in their life, God, God blessing their life, it's a good thing. We see uh, the word abhor. Think about it for a minute. Uh, it means to dislike, to have a horror of, actually. Love regards evil with horror. I mean, it's just like, huh, I don't want to be near that. Um, Proverbs 8, verse 13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And some folks don't like that word hate, but there's some things that we're supposed to hate. And evil is one of it. Amen. As believers, as children of God, we're to hate evil. Um, Psalm 97, verse number 10 says, Ye that love the Lord. Do you love the Lord tonight? Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. So, we're to hate evil. And then, it not only says abhor that which is evil, but it says cleave to that which is good. Now, that word cleave means to stick like adhesive tape. <laughs> it means to glue or to join and fasten. To stick like adhesive tape or be welded or cemented together with good things. Now, the believer should always be identified with good things rather than that which is shady or questionable. That's why we're... Uh, uh, Paul told the Thessalonians to abhor, uh, to abstain from all appearance of evil. Uh, we we all want to stay as far away as possible from from evil. Um, listen to the multiple admonitions elsewhere in Scripture. Um, in uh, Psalm 34, verse 14, for the sake of time, I'm going to quote these uh, rather than have us turn to them. But Psalm 34, 14 says, "Depart from evil and do good." 
In Psalm 101, in verse 3, it says, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Be careful what sticks to you. Amen. Um, Psalm 119, verse 104. The psalmist said there, he said, Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. You know, we come to know what the Lord loves and what the Lord hates by getting in the book. When we learn the precepts, uh, what we do is we wind up uh, uh, hating the false ways just like He does. Amos 5, verse 14 and 15 says, Seek good and not evil that ye may live. Verse 15 says, Hate evil and love the good. And then uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 15, See that none render evil for evil to any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. And I've already mentioned 1 Thessalonians 5, 22, Abstain from all appearance of evil. Now turn, if you will, please. Let's turn to Ephesians 5 and look at a few verses here. Ephesians chapter number 5. We're talking about uh, being holy in our attitude and walk before the Lord and others. And Paul mentions our walk here in Ephesians 5 in the first few verses here. Notice how our walk is supposed to be. Notice Ephesians 5 in verse number 1. He says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk, here it is, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. What kind of love is that? That's a love that looked out for the highest good of that other individual. God was looking out for our highest good. Jesus was looking out for our highest good when he went to the cross. It says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Uh, now, not only is that bad for us, but it's bad for those that might look on us and think, well, that person's a Christian. must be okay for Christians to do that. That's not good, is it? For us to have a bad testimony. Fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness is not to be even named among us. He says, verse 4, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. It's very plain here in verse 7. Be not ye therefore partakers. That word partakers means a co-participant. Be not partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. What, look at our walk here. Walk as children of light. You, you say you're in the light? You're, you're in the light of the Lord? Well, walk as a, ch- as a child that's in the light. A, ch- a child of light. Uh, verse 9, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather... Reprove them. So uh, we are to be holy in our attitude and walk before the Lord and others. Um, you know, we're to be careful how we conduct ourselves before the Lord and others. We know the Bible reveals to us uh, that, that our, our life is an open uh, book before the Lord. You know, God sees it all and knows it all, uh, both inside and out. 
there's not a thing that you hid from him today. If you had a wrong thought, he knew all about it. If you if you uh, did something wrong, he saw it. Doesn't matter if it was done in the dark or done in the light. Everything's in the light with him because he is the light. First Samuel chapter sixteen, verse number seven. Uh, is a passage of scripture where uh, Samuel was, was told by the Lord to, to to go to Jesse's house and pick out the king, and he he got there and he he saw uh, David's oldest brother, uh, and he thought surely this is the Lord's the one the Lord's choice, and uh, the Lord said told him said uh, and I've rejected him said for the Lord seeth not as man seeth for man looketh on the outward appearance. That's true, isn't it? We look on the outward appearance, but it says, but uh, the Lord looketh on the heart. The Lord's the only one that can see the heart. And at Hebrews 4, verse 13 says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So if we are holy in our inner man before the Lord, then guess what? We're also going to be holy in our outward walk. Yeah, it starts inside. It starts in the inner heart, in the in inner inner man. And we're gonna if if it wasn't on the inside works this way on the outside like it does. Uh, if we, if we're holy on the inside, there's gonna be holiness in our outward walk before others. Uh, that which is within will manifest itself outwardly. And the Lord's desire is that we walk in holiness that we have been made in Christ Jesus. We are holy, right? He's made us holy. We, we, we call it, we, we've been sanctified by Him. We've been set apart. We've been made holy. All that stuff. All that means the same thing. We've been set aside for, for His uh, for His purposes. But we're supposed to set ourselves aside also. Uh, listen to First Peter chapter one, verse fifteen to sixteen. But as He which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy. For I am holy. So let's understand that this has a lot to do with our attitude. Amen. If we abhor that which is evil, then guess what? We'll not walk in evil. And we'll be less likely to do evil. Uh, If we cleave to that which is good, that is what we'll be found walking in. We'll be walking in good and what we'll be doing. Amen. So... uh, Let's watch our attitude in the Lord. I, let's look back at our passage of Scripture there and, and look at verse number 10 for just a minute. The next thing it says here in verse number 10, uh, Romans 12, verse 10, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. Let's break this down. We are to be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. What does that mean? Be, be kindly affectioned means that we're to be prone to love or to be disposed to love. Are you prone to love uh, your brothers and sisters in Christ? Uh, at one to another, when it says be kindly affection one to another, it means I'm to love you, you love me. It's supposed to be reciprocal. Okay, Mutually, we're to love one another. And we're to be prone to love each other at the same time. Guess what? If we're loving each other at the same time, is that going to keep there from being divisions in the church? Most certainly, right? Most certainly. I mean, there's a, there's a reason for that. And it says we're to do that with brotherly love. Now, this is translated from the Greek word Philadelphia. Philadelphia. 
you know what Philadelphia, you know what they call the city of Philadelphia, don't you? The city of brotherly love. You know why? Because that's what Philadelphia means. It means brotherly love. <laughs> um, denotes a natural affection between blood relatives with, with all the emotional and affectionate ties that, that go with it. Now, when we were growing up, uh, uh, you know, uh, you, you didn't always have a perfect relationship with your uh, folks that you were blood kin to, but you didn't want anybody messing with them, did you? You know, <laughs> you, you, there, there was a special bond that was there and we're to have a special bond as, as being brothers and sisters in Christ. We not, may not always agree, but we can love each other. We're to love the brethren in the faith as though they were brethren in blood. And uh, a good example of this is early in the church, in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, when you had uh, a lot of folks got saved, said the multitude that believed were of one heart and of one soul. You know, if we are of one heart and of one soul... Um, is that going to keep down on divisions? It will, won't it? You can't, you can't be of one heart and one soul and have divisions. You just can't do it. Uh, Galatians 5 verse 13 says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. We're to serve one another with love. I'm, I'm to serve and look out for your highest good. And you're to serve and look out for my highest good. It's a reciprocal thing. Look at Second uh, Peter chapter number one. Second Peter chapter number one. <clears throat> Let's see, take a look at uh, begin with verse number three. It says, according as His divine power, God's divine power hath been given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. That's a great statement, isn't it? Everything we need that pertaining to life and godliness we, has been given to us uh, by the Lord. So through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us a great uh, exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And then it talks about some things that we need to add to our faith. And besides this, giving all diligence. That means you, we need to work toward these things. Amen. Not just work toward them a little bit. Giving all diligence means you've got to be all in on it. Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, notice, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. So the last two things that are on the list here, talking about that brotherly kindness, that's that Philadelphia love, that, that, that bro brotherly love, and then uh, we're to have the uh, and charity added on top of that, and that's that agape love, if you want to call it that, uh, that the Lord had for us. So we are uh, to, to be, uh, we're, we're to love one another with a, that kind of love. Amen. Uh, back in our text again, let's take a look at the, the latter part of it. Um, Romans 12, verse number 10. Not only be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love, but it says, notice, in honor, preferring 
one another. Well, what in the world is that talking about? Well, we're to be humble in our desires. Listen, we're commanded here to put others ahead of our own self. The word honor means respect. We're to have respect one for another. We're to prefer, that word preferring means to esteem more highly. Uh, preferring one another, esteem, esteem another person higher than you. In, in the matter of honor, we're not to claim honor for ourselves, but we are not to fail to show it uh, in others. In fact, we should express a willingness to show honor to others. Uh, sometimes it's shameful uh, what some folks will do in order to get their own way in a matter. Uh, I've seen it, you know, I've been to church all my life, but I've, I've seen about, just about seen it all in the time gro- growing up and time being in the ministry myself. But God's way is that we seek our brother's best in every situation and let God look out after us. Amen? You know God's able to take care of you? He's able to take care of us, isn't he? Yeah. Well, we're to look out for others and, and, and uh, uh, leave it to God. That's what agape love, love is. God's love is. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Uh, last place I want to have you turn is Philippians chapter number 2. Let's look at Philippians chapter number 2 here. <clears throat> Philippians 2, verse, uh, verse number 2. Well, let's, let's go ahead and read, uh, read verse number 1 too. If, if there, there be therefore any consolation in Christ, is, is there any consolation in Christ? And there certainly is, isn't there? If any comfort of love, do we find comfort of love in Christ? We do. If any fellowship of the Spirit, we got the same Holy Spirit that Christ had. If, if any bowels and mercies, he says, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye being like-minded, notice this, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, notice, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, here it is key, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Uh, let me put it this way: you can, you can, you ought to have this somewhere in your uh, written down in your Bible, uh, front, back, wherever you want to put it. You could even put it uh, right beside this because it really applies here. Um, the path to joy in the Christian life: J O Y, joy. Jesus first. Others, second. Yourself, last. That's what, he's, that's what he just said here. You know, if, if Jesus is first, and others are next, and yourself's last. And you'll notice that these things that we've shared with you tonight are merely ways in which members of Christ's body, the church, can demonstrate Christ-like love one for another, uh, and it's also a way to show the world the reality of who we are and the, the realness of what we say that we have in Christ. Amen? It's a way to glorify Jesus in the church. You know Jesus is supposed to get glory from the church? 
You think that Jesus gets more glory when we're unified or when we're at one another's throats? When we're unified, right? And I'm unified in the right things. And I'm not saying that we, you, 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 there's some things that uh, we might not disagree over from time to time. But uh, we, we ought to seek for unity. It's a way to glorify Jesus in the church and before the world. Uh, in fact, we saw that in John thirteen thirty five. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if ye have love one to another. So, you know, there's some other actions that God expects from us that we're going to share next week, Lord willing. A lot of practical advice. You'll notice uh, uh, chapters like uh, Romans 12 and also uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. Uh, those those chapters contain right there toward the end of them some just some just some great practical uh, things to, to use in our walks as believers. Amen. Well, let's pray, uh, Father. We just thank you tonight for the love you express to us. 